Hello there. You know what I've come for. This is the way. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello and welcome back to the pod. Awakens as we talk the book of Boba Fett, what I like to call the good book. Uh, <laughs> and uh, with me today, well, I'm Jordan Weekend, but with me today is, of course, Logan Stump. How are you today, Logan? I am not the co-host you're looking for. Damn, I guess I'll end this here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. Never mind. All right. <laughs> just I am healthy and happy. Um, so I guess I can't complain. So there's a lot worse out there right now. So far, you're healthy and happy. <laughs> right. That we know of. But we're going to be talking chapter two The Tribes of Tatooine, directed by Steph Green, written by John Favreau, and premiering January 5th of 2020 uh, on Disney Plus. The synopsis is Boba faces new challengers on Tatooine. Um, initial thoughts, Logan? I thought it was brilliant. I, the, it, it, it seems like everything that uh, happens with these or everything, everything that happens with these Disney Plus shows um, is just fantastic, in my opinion. I, I don't know. I, I, it seems like as the episodes progress throughout series. It gets better and better. It's the same thing with The Mandalorian. I think that they've done a really good job of incorporating, um, not you know, not forcing things, but really incorporating uh, the different characters and maybe uh, other characters that we don't know that are out there in the galaxy. Uh, and I know there's a couple that I was really fascinated with, and I know you probably know a lot more as to who they are. But um, I was really fascinated just to understand, like, you know, more characters coming in. And as the episodes progress, it just seems like they're getting better and better with each episode. So it, it really was. It was really well done. I thought we got exactly the backstory that I wanted with this with the uh, Tuscan Raiders. So it, it, when we get into that a little bit more, it was everything that I wanted the last episode. Um, I just wanted more background on to how he became uh, who he was currently uh, in these episodes that we're starting to see. Um, and he does have some cool flashbacks, which was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'll say it, there's been a few people that I don't really understand online that mm -hmm. are they either there were some people that liked the first episode a lot and was underwhelmed by this one, and then there was a lot of people that did not like the first one that really thought this one was better. I'm in the camps of just both of these episodes were great. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, of course, there's some people that just don't like Disney Star Wars so much that they didn't like either of these episodes and are nitpicking with stuff like, you know, Boba Fett doing the, um, like, teaching them how to ride the thing and, like, doing the vroom, vroom, mm -hmm. go thing. People were laughing at that, saying that that was uh, the problem with Disney Star Wars. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. No. But... Besides all that, I mean, it was another really great episode, and I felt myself 
I, I would say in the first episode, I was not as attached to the flashbacks. I was more like, let's see some present story. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I was more like, I love these flashbacks. So I think there's been um, kind of like the strength so far for me has been, you know, episode one had a great opening mm-hmm. in present day. And I think that the flashback stuff in this one was really strong. I agree. I I saw a lot of that too. I saw a lot on Twitter and stuff. A lot of blowback, and some of my kids watch it, so there was some blowback too about episode two. They said it was it was boring. It was lackluster. It was not interesting to them. I thought it was funny. Like I thought it was a way. What grade <laughs> do you teach again? Uh, ninth and eleventh. So uh, these were my eleventh graders. So I can see I can see that for kids, honestly. Yeah. Like eleven year not eleven year olds. I mean eleventh graders even mm-hmm. being a little bit more bored by this because I feel like at that age you're like, I want action. action. But this is such a great character episode mm-hmm. that I think would be appreciated more as it goes on. I mean, I, I liked the prequels as a kid too, but I think I actually enjoy them more as an adult because of the political stuff in mm. the prequels and i think as a kid in a high schooler you're like this sucks i want like lightsaber battles and i think that this like i, I think this episode could kind of go the same way where people are like i want like action and i think this has great action though too the, the train stuff i was gonna say the train stuff the, the i mean i guess it's, it's part of the train but when he goes into that car and or that car part of the train and it's like or no, is it was that at the station? Because I like blanked out there. I guess we'll talk about it. That was Tashi yeah. Station where Luke yeah. wanted to go for power converters in episode yeah. four. Yeah. So but I'm sure we'll But yeah. Uh so let's dig a little deeper. Um as what Princess and the Frog would say, right? Isn't that what Luke is right? Um so we kind of open up where we left off with you know Boba and Fennec Shan interrogating the captured assassin. Um, the assassin, this part is great, I think, where, you know, Boba wanted them alive. And I saw a lot of people complaining again that Boba wouldn't want to keep somebody alive. Obviously, he wanted them alive because, one, he's a changed man, but two, I mean, he needs to find out who's who's hiring this. And we kind of talked about that last week. Like, that's obviously why he wants this person alive. He wants to know who is hiring um, these people to take out Boba Fett, take out himself. So in this, I, I like, you know, they got the Gamorrean guards with the, with the, you know, like knife or whatever it's called their um, sword, something like that, ready to, you know, take off the guy's head. They're obviously not going to do that because he still hadn't talked. Right. So, mm-hmm. I think that guy knows that too. The guy is like, whatever. And he's also supposed to be this tough, tough guy that's not going to break and not going to, um, you know, give up his employer. But then they pull the Rancor move, which I thought was really great because the audience knows the Rancor is dead. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of in on the joke with Boba here. Um, and at first, you know, you're thinking, well, maybe they've replaced the Rancor. But you're like, this is a brilliant move to scare this assassin who's not scared of dying, but maybe he's scared of this big Rancor chewing him up. I don't know. Like, I think it's a little scarier than just like, okay, well, if this is how I go out, 
getting my head chopped off, whatever. Then being faced with a monster like a Rancor. And I think that's where as the gate slowly opening, you know, and he's like, no, no, no. And he's, he's like, okay, I was hired by the mayor, Malk Shies, uh, who is the Ithorian mayor of Mos Espa. And the door fully opens and we see there's no Rancor and just a rat in there. Hmm. But uh, what, what was your thoughts when, uh, when they do this part? So I love Phoenix line uh, when in chief turns to it and goes, you're basically just paying for the name of the, uh, the, the company that has the assassin. So it's like, it, it, it starts out humorous. And uh, again, I think a lot of people, they, they get like this impression that these characters have to remain the same. Like you can't have character development. Like you can't, you can't progress as a character from going from somebody that's out there to hunt you down and get you in a crime ring to being one that rules with respect and, Honestly, I think he's trying to do everything right. So he's trying to find a way to um, rule with some kind of authority, but not try to terrify and terrorize different people. So I think that that is pretty cool. So yeah, it, this is an awesome scene. I loved, I loved the little rat because it was just like that's that's pretty funny because it, it did it look like the assassins like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. This is it for me. <laughs> and Phoenix was like, yeah, just pick for them. And these guys aren't really what they claim to be. Um, and I think she's saying it too. She's more of an assassin in the sense, so it's more like I'm kind of the same thing, and I kind of have the same job title, but you're just honestly paying for the name. But it was kind of a play on what life is like here on Earth. So it was pretty funny. Yeah, and I, I think you nailed it with people think these characters shouldn't change. I kept seeing this on Twitter about why is Boba Fett not acting like Boba Fett? And one thing we got to know is, we barely know Boba Fett. When you look at, you know, I did this whole road to Bo Book of Boba Fett. Um, Attack of the Clones, we know him as a punk little kid who's a clone of Django. <laughs> we see him kind of evolve from that. But then in the original trilogy, he's literally just a background character. He doesn't really talk much. Um, all that stuff is in people's head just because he looked cool. And, yeah. and, Yes, he could have been that way, but these experiences that we're going to see in the flashbacks are what's changing him. He's learning, not not that he was never respectful. I mean, look, he he didn't want to kill Solo, right? He knew that Han was more worth more to him alive than dead. He wasn't, even though Vader says no disintegrations this time. Boba was obviously not going to disintegrate Han Solo. He needed him to show Jabba, and. Let's not forget, he disintegrated somebody last week mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, with his gauntlet. The guy that's running away, uh, climbing up the wall, he disintegrates him, blows him up. So, obviously, he's not against some of the stuff he used to do. He's just more about respect. And we think, as we talked about last week, that he learned this from the Tuscans. This, and also, I saw people complaining about how many times he takes off his helmet in in this uh, in this episode boba fett was never somebody that just kept it on all the time the only way we know that is because that's what usual mandalorians do but mm -hmm. if you look at the actual movies and stuff as a kid he doesn't have a helmet on um in the clone wars he doesn't wear a helmet it's not until episode five that we see him and he's literally in like three minutes of screen time 
So obviously he's not going to constantly be taking that thing off in those three minutes. They also probably hadn't cast an actual screen actor for them to, for for them to do that, you know? Um, So I I think we have to kind of let go of this notion of what Boba Fett is or who Boba Fett is and kind of start taking that. This is who Boba Fett is. He may have always ruled with respect. If not, he learned it here. And we're probably going to figure that out as we go through these episodes, but He's going to take off his helmet. Mandalorians, other than our main Mandalorian and his clan, took off their mm-hmm. helmets all the time. We saw Bo-Katan take off hers. And obviously, the character is more interesting with the helmet off and getting to see their expressions. Um, geez, there's so many good expressions and stuff that Boba does in this as when he's with the Tuscans that would have been mm-hmm. just like expressionless. Right. Not that you can't act with the express like with your body, but mm-hmm. some of this stuff needs to be conveyed with the eyes and, and the face. Right. And I, I thought there was a good portrayal of emotions through Din, but it, that's totally different. I felt like Boba Fett needed like you, you needed him to be able to be seen. Like I, I felt like you needed Boba to be seen and his facial expressions. Plus, there's a lot to do with his face. Like I noticed that they they've really like when he's in the desert, when it's kind of goes back to the, when he's in the in the sand with the sand people or you know Tuscan Raiders um it, it's like if you watch it his skin's like real dried out and it, he looks worn and beaten up and I think you can't really convey that with if he had the helmet on and he's just walking around with the helmet and I don't know it it, it, it he's without his stuff he's without his gears without his helmet uh in the vest guard and it, it's like he's not got that stuff with him um, so I think that he's trying to kind of survive without it and he's got to learn how to survive without it. I think he's trying to think I can be who I want to be without having to put the, the suit on. Right. And look, we didn't see Boba Fett all the time. He probably took that thing off every, all the time, <laughs> you know, like we didn't follow him 24 yeah. seven in the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they go and take, the assassin um they're from like the assassins of the night wind or something mm-hmm. uh, they're they're going to take him to the mayor and the mayor denies any involvement but he makes sure his people make sure that guy's dead before that guy can really say no the mayor did hire me <laughs> like yeah. You know, so it's really just the mayor's word at this point and while mm-hmm. he seems to be leading him into the right direction with the huts, I still don't fully believe this mayor. What about you? You think this guy isn't behind this? Yeah, I think he's selling crock. I just don't think that he's got... I don't know. It just didn't seem like he was telling the truth. And then the huts kind of acted weird, too. So I was kind of like... I, something, something felt fishy about it. And then the fact that, like what you said, the fact that you kill him so quickly that he can't... He can't tell you what's really going on behind the scenes. Something's fishy. And, and it was a little too quick in my book. And the fact that they weren't... Like, he obviously wasn't busy... Um, and that, that clerk gives him a lot of trouble at the desk uh, about having an appointment. Um, and he's like, I don't need an appointment. <laughs> uh, you don't tell a crime lawyer he that. needs an appointment. <laughs> that was my favorite part. He goes, what is your what is your reasoning? And he goes, this is my ticket in, basically. Yeah, and he's like, like who are you? And he's like, come on. <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard about me. Come on. So No, it was good. I, I, but you're right. I don't think, I can't trust the mayor. Still don't. 
And I love this here. This shows that Boba's not the same as we'll hear here. You know, mm-hmm. here, here. Um, here, here. The mayor gives him payment for the bounty of the assassin. Mm-hmm. And Boba says, I'm not a bounty hunter anymore. You know, he's in his mind, he's elevated. He, he's a crime boss. He's not doing bounty hunter stuff anymore. But it really shows that this is not the same Boba Fett. He's no longer doing bounty work. He mm-hmm. wants a bigger piece of the pie. He might think that he has the capability to make Mos Espa and Tatooine as a whole better with the way that he's going to run with respect. Um, but he still takes the money, but he says, I'll take this as the tribute that you should have paid me last time, which I thought was a really good move by, by Boba. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the mayor le- tells him to go visit the sanctuary that is where Garza Fwip is. That was the, um, you know, the lady Twi'lek uh, who who runs the cantina with uh, Max Rebo playing and uh, the droid from uh, Star Tours is there um, or, you know, one of those type of droids. And uh, Fwip is going to inform Boba that two of Jabba's cousins, known as the twins, want to claim Jabba's throne for themselves. Now, this is the first appearance of the twins. They haven't really been in anything else. Um, so these are brand new huts. And then you start hearing the bang drum, and you're thinking, maybe Prince Ali is here. But no, it is the it is the cousins of Jabba uh, Jabba Fett. I was gonna say Jabba the Hut um, coming in. And man, this thing you can see it's it's. <laughs> It's Boeing. It's <laughs> Boeing, and you feel so sorry for the people that have to carry uh, the huts here. But I thought they looked pretty great. I mean, we really haven't seen a great hut since Return of the Jedi. Like mm-hmm. um, Jabba in like Phantom Menace doesn't look great. Um, are they in anything else? I don't know if they are, but. I thought they looked pretty good, especially for a TV show. I thought this looked really great. And uh, they arrive, and they try to intimidate Boba. And they introduce a Wookiee in his live-action debut. So this is a Wookiee that's been around in the comics. His name is uh, Black Kersantan. And... uh, he is another bounty hunter. He's uh, worked with Boba in the past. Um, he's a Wookiee bounty hunter that first appeared in the Marvel comic series, Star Wars, Darth Vader. First appearance was Darth Vader number one. That was February 11th, 2015. And he also currently appears in the ongoing Dr. Afra series. Dr. Afra was a character introduced and Darth Vader was popular and she became uh, her own spinoff comic. And then, uh, Black Santon went there. I'm not too familiar with him. I mean, I've seen him in some of the Darth Vader stuff I've read, but um, I haven't read any of the Dr. Aphra stuff. Um, but he looks really cool in live action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your thoughts here? Because like, I saw him and I knew right away who this was. There was also rumors of him appearing in the show beforehand anyway. Mm-hmm. But as somebody that maybe doesn't read the comics, Logan, what was your thought here as you saw uh, for the first time a black Wookiee and um, who's ginormous? I, he's got to be bigger than Chewbacca. <laughs> he, 
He looks like uh, the Ray Lewis of, <laughs> of Wookiees. He's just got this like really intimidating snarl, like because you can hear him kind of going uh, uh, as he's walking, and it's going to that beat of the drum. And you, the cool part is like I think what sets it up completely is the camera angle in which it comes in from behind him, and it's like following him along the side of the huts as he's coming around to basically be like. Because the huts go, well, if you're not going to hand over it, then we're going to have our Wookiee take it from you. Um, so when he walks around that side, and he, like, I don't know how they did it, but they made him look must like like he was built like a rock. Um, he was just ginormous. And I think the scariest part, there's a part where he stands over beside Boba Fett, and he's standing there, and he kind of, he's holding, like, the gun, and he's looking down, and then he all of a sudden he, like, turns his head towards Boba, and it's He's got like this nasty looking snarl uh, on his face. And it, 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 it made me, it made me scared. And I'm 28 years old. I was, I was watching this and I'm going, he's got like this really scary. And I think cause his eyes pop cause, it, cause he's, his fur is like black. I think he's when he has his eyes pops and he's got like these nasty looking teeth. It, it really is. It's terrifying. Um, so I loved it, and I'm excited to see where they take it because I feel like he's going to be the big bad along with the Huts going forward. So he's going to have, you know, issues with Fennec will probably end up having to kill him, but like it'll be. I think he's like one of those side villains that are just impossible to tear down because he looks like a brick wall. But I loved it. I I, I want to like I want like a painting of him. So I'm hoping like at the Festival of the Arts, like that they. By the end of it, they have like this portrait of him because it's really cool. Yeah, he does look really cool, and I think he looks great. I mean, like if you look at him in comics, he you know he looks like a black Wookiee. He's got you know everything that's going on there, but I mean, he just looks. You know, sometimes it's hard to translate this stuff into a uh, into a vi- like a live action medium. Mm-hmm. But so far, I feel like they've been doing a really great job with like Ahsoka uh, from cartoon to live action. We now have a comic book character coming in from it. Like, one, Favreau and Filoni are like tying in all of this stuff that people thought would not ever be acknowledged, really. And I think they're doing such a good job with it that, like, it's crazy. Like, you can now go read those comics and be like, okay, so this was Black Crescent's like storyline before you know, before we see him in uh, the book of Boba Fett. And I think that's really cool because for some people, it's just, you know, for, for some people, it's just going to be, oh, this guy looks really cool. Great. There's going to be some people that are really into this guy that they're going to be like, where else can I see this guy? And then you've realized you have all this other stuff to, to read and, and all that. And I just think the way that they've been able to weave in stuff from the cartoons and from the comics and from the novels, like Cobb Vanth coming in from the novels, like it really feels like a synergy and a cohesive universe that wasn't ever really felt before. So I do really appreciate them doing that. Um, and that's like all of the present day storyline. We're going to go back to uh, Boba going into the back to pod again. And he's going to remember when the Tuscans taught him the style of their combat and the survival skills. And kind of early on in here, then we see what I thought was going to be a crate dragon, like the premiere of Mandalorian season two, but then it turned out to be the train coming. 
And I thought this was a great, a great time here too, because, um, you know, people always talk about how Star Wars is like a Western. This really felt like a Western of, you know, the guy coming in to help uh, take down a train, almost like a train robbery at times, like, but for good. And it just was like, it, it really felt Western-y. And uh, I thought uh, Tamora Morrison, uh, you know, does such a good job as Boba Fett. And remember, this is a character he never really played. You know, he played mm-hmm. Jango. And obviously, of course, he plays Boba now because he was a clone of Django. Um, it's one of the things where, like, making Boba a clone instead of just a kid of Django worked out perfectly uh, to be able to get this guy back to play Boba Fett later and really get to use him. But, you know, we kind of start going back into the flashbacks now of Boba learning, and they do this whole montage of him learning with a, a stick, and him failing for a bit and then eventually kind of getting the hang of it and just the dedication Boba had of like, show me, you know, he kept telling him like, show me and then having to keep doing it and keep getting his butt kicked, which for one of the best bounty hunters in the world probably is not a great feeling. (laughs) So very humbling for, for Boba Fett. But what was your thoughts as we kind of, I feel like we spent most of the episode in the flashbacks, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, honestly, to when we were going back and rehashing out like the huts and stuff, that almost seemed like two episodes ago. It, it seemed uh, like they seemed like different episodes, and I was really happy when I turned it on and it was fifty minutes. Was, I didn't, I hadn't been on Twitter, um, so I I just come home from school, I turn it on, I'm like, come on, please be a longer one, please be a longer one, and it was, it was fifty minutes, and I was like, yes, this is gonna be great, and it really did feel like two separate episodes. I mean, it felt uh it, it set up nicely and like it was like vignettes so it's like two vignettes and it was you know the first one is talking about the present day boba but then it kind of flashes back into these like different kind of montages and, and different things like that to where it's talking about you know boba with the tuscan people and, and and then and from there there's different things with the tuscan raiders that happen that uh, I think they wanted to focus on and when directing the episode, I think that they did a really nice job of being able to piece all of that together because it really did. It, it, it made you feel really, really bad for the Tusken Raiders. I never thought I'd ever say that in the history of all Star Wars. Um, I never thought I'd feel bad for the Tusken Raiders because they are usually ruthless as they're convey or as they're portrayed in, in previous movies. Um, so it's, it, it's nice to put a nice spin on these people accepting Boba, even though his language is different, he looks different. He is different. Uh, and they've had bad experiences probably in the past with bounty hunters. Uh, so it's, it's nice to see that. And like you said, Jordan, it's set up so nicely for that Western. It really did feel like Red Dead Redemption. Like we were getting ready to get on the, on the horses with the boys and, uh, or at least the land cruisers and just jump on and, and ride along across the train and try to, you know, shake it up a little bit. And I think one of my favorite action scenes so far has been uh, when they reached that station. Um, and it, it, it did, it was like paced nicely. It, the flashbacks were great. Um, and I, now, like you said, last episode, I'm just craving flashbacks at this point. It felt great too. Like it kind of reminded me of solo. Yeah. Which I think is a very underrated star Wars film. And like mm-hmm. solo had a lot of this, like, you know, when they're trying to get the coaxium, mm-hmm. And um, 
trying to, you know, get it on the train there. Like this kind of has a lot of a similar feel, but like um, different, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it had some similar vibes of that for me. But yeah, I really enjoyed like the flashbacks here as we get like Boba. I saw some people trying to say that this is like the white savior trope and stuff. And again, it's not uh, one to more more since I'm white, but <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, people whatever. argue with you. Uh, people argue with you when they don't know what's actually that he's, but Kiwi. <laughs> what, what did, and he's Maori, uh, right. but you know what, what's so interesting about this is this is not him being a savior he he decides he's going to help them right because he sees himself as part of them now he's really it's like his family which he's never really had a family but he is um you know learning from their culture as much as he's teaching them his and i think that is what's great it's not like he's saying you guys don't know what you're doing take my stuff and we'll do this he learns how to fight from them, but then he's also like, okay, you're teaching me this stuff. You're giving me your water. You're giving me your land. You know, like I'm living with you. I'm going to help you with this thing. And they're kind of doing this cultural exchange. And I think that is very interesting. And like you said, you know, the Tuscans are usually portrayed differently. Um, and, they are, you know, they'll kind of mention there's, there's many different tribes, right? So, like, they all have their different ideals. He's ending up with a, I guess you would say, quote-unquote, a good tribe. I don't know. They did have some slaves that they captured. So, how good are they? I don't know. But it makes me wonder now, too, when they took Anakin's mom, was she digging for those watermelon things? Right. You know, yeah. what did he call them? He called them like a, a melon or something? Melon or like a melon or a mallet or something like that. Yeah. He kind of mentioned that. We thought they were like rocks. I or they were rocks. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they have like milk. Fruit. He even yeah. said they had like milk. It's not yeah. water. Um, So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, so I wonder if that's what Shmi Skywalker was doing the whole that's time. That's interesting. Uh, you know, before that. she died. But... You know, like you said, he, he Anakin calls them animals. He says he slaughtered them like animals. Mm. But we see Boba, and we both see, not just Boba, but we see Din Djarin treat them like people too. I mm-hmm. mean, when he's not even just the season two premiere, but at some point in season one when he's traveling through their land and stuff, he is uh, like talking to them in their language. And he's sitting with them around a campfire and he's making conversation with them and you're seeing that they're not that way. They, they must have had some bad experiences that have led them to taking these people that we don't know about, or maybe there's good tribes and bad tribes. We don't really know, but it's, it's so much more interesting when Tuscan Raiders are not just uh, like, you know, like, I don't know what to say that, that they're not just, like reckless i guess or not just killing people mm-hmm. when they actually have depth and you get to see their culture it makes them interesting and it's making boba more interesting because he's learning from them he's willing to learn from them and also willing to teach them as he's going to do when he sees the train stuff happen and they lose quite a bit of tuscans 
and he says he's going to teach them how to do this. And he goes to Tashi Station. He goes and gets this biker gang, or I think they're credited as miners in the credits. But he's going to, you know, get these uh, like this the swoop bikes, and uh, he's going to take them back. But in Tashi Station, we get two characters named Cami and Fixer. And I don't think they're actually named while you're watching it. No, I don't think so. Unless you probably were watching the, I, I could see like, you know what I mean? Like close caption, maybe identifying them, but I don't think they ever, cause I was like, who are they? Like what, why are they, are they important? Yeah. So Cammy and, uh, and Fixer, they are, I don't know, childhood friends of Luke Skywalker. Um, now, Fixer, uh, no, Cammy na- nicknames Luke Warmy, which is a little weird nickname. A little bit. Um, which the wiki, the Wikipedia says that it sometimes made Luke doubt the sincerity of the friendship that way. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she is in this um, uh, Tashi station and they are all grown up now and uh, Fixer is the guy. He's the one that the that the biker gang is going to steal the drink of and he's like, this is not right. This is not right. Um, and ends up getting like beat up pretty much. Um, but they really weren't in any sort of movie. They were filmed in 1977 for A New Hope. That scene was cut. As mm. There was a scene at Tashi Station with those two that were cut. Uh, I think they may have had some references in some books or comics, but this is the first time they've appeared on screen officially now. So just a fun little nod that these characters actually did exist. And cool. just something fun. Yeah. They kind of go through uh, hell here, though. But Like, <laughs> <laughs> get killed, but... Yeah. In these scenes, though, like, in these action scenes, I love it when, when one person just goes absolutely ham on guys that he just... I mean, this just shows you how much Boba Fett has become a warrior, I guess, in a way. Like, right. he's much less of a bounty hunter now. He's much more of, like... He's a warrior and he's out for, I wouldn't say revenge, but he's out for justice. So, you know, I, I think he's tired of people just being run through in the galaxy. I don't think he likes the way that Boba or that, uh, that Java ran things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we go ahead and we then get to their training and practicing, you know, Boba's trying to teach him how to ride the bikes and how to jump <laughs> from bike to bike and, go through this nice little training montage and eventually it comes time where the train's here again and they're going to go attack it. What I liked here is we still have losses, you know, like there, there's still like a lot of times where early on uh, in this fight with the train, like some of those people get sniped pretty easily and you're like, no matter how much they were able to prepare for this, it's still tough to take on this train that just has guns out the window, you know, yeah. like it's very tough for them to, uh, to, to do that. 
and we see we find out who's on the train and it's the pike syndicate these are people that were in the clone wars they are a syndicate um of pikes that is a that is a um a species um and they were also in uh they were also in solo as some of the um Pike Syndicate was in Solo. As, uh, the same aliens were there at Kessel when they're trying to go into the spice spice mines. So it is uh, all connected, as you would say. But they're going to take on the train. And I thought this whole fight scene was was really great. Where you know they're jumping from the the bike to the train, mm-hmm. and then you have some of them going above the train uh, the one female um tuscan that's been training boba does this great move where she like goes almost in between the cars with her bike and is able to jump onto thing while like the bike crashes into the into the train splitting the train into two at like the connection point and then she just like runs through the bottom like taking out all of the people that are like poking their head out the top to take on Boba and then eventually they're able to stop the train and we get this weird conductor droid. who's like got a million arms pretty much going through all this stuff to make the train go. And uh, Boba is able to get the uh, scares the droid out of there enough. And then the, the train is going to stop and the Pikes try to play it cool. They're like, well, what's spice? When Boba asks what spice is, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Tuscans drop it and some spice comes out. And he's like, well, it looks like that, you know? Right. And he pretty much brokers a deal with them of you're not able to travel over the Dune Sea anymore. This is their territory. Or if you do go through here, you have to like pay them something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, or else they die pretty much is kind of like the, the gist here. And I thought it was really cool and very, you know, he didn't just stop the train. That could have been the simple thing. He also was able to broker a deal with them to make sure that this is not a problem going forward. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you, is this a problem going forward? Do these people come back? Is like why is Boba going alone? Yeah. Now does he does he lose this clan of sand people at some point? Uh, like yeah, I, I think eventually he breaks away from it. I'm, I'm I just don't know like with them and then the people he's also sent back in the train. Like what happens with them because he tells them to walk and they're like walk. What do you mean walk? <laughs> Uh, that, that's my favorite part. But he's like, "What? Well, we'll die. We don't have water." Um, and he's like, "Oh, you can drink out of the little the melons or whatever they were." But no, I, I, I do think, like, he gives him the nod of like satisfaction, like, "Thank you for your help." I, I think it's going to be more of like him just, you know, leaving. And I, like, yeah, he loses them, but I think it's more of not necessarily like they go off and they come back after him or something. But I think, yeah, I think eventually you just you see him move on and move forward. And I think that the, I don't even know what they call it. Like, I guess it's like the staff thing that he carries around that he's created. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that he, that's symbolic of that relationship and that time that he spent with them. And I think that that's always 
done they've always done well when they pan up and it's on his back and shows that you know he's kind of collected the uh and the whole episode or the whole situation with how he becomes about getting that um, which we'll talk about i think that it just shows how much they respect him and that he's i guess like gone through the rites of passage with these people and he's earned their respect and i think that's ultimately it's you know it's crazy it's ultimately what i mean the mandalorian and the tuscan raiders have built their society on it seems which is really weird to say but like the trust factor and being able to rely on people and also rule with respect i think that tuscan raiders uh, for so long were you know monstrous but now i think you're starting to see other clans of the tuscan raiders be civilized and actually care for people so no i i think yeah eventually he leaves them but all in good fun and all all at the end i think he respected by the tuscan raiders i'm not so sure he leaves them i th- i think they might get killed i i Do you think, think so that'd be yeah, wild i think either the pikes come back due to this or something else happens and maybe that the mayor may- wipes them out maybe the huts Ooh, could you imagine Somebody has to wipe him out, I think, that makes him go back. Because he's moving forward, but at a certain point, he's going to say, I need my armor back, I get my ship back, I go help Mando for a bit. Like, I I think there's something there that might make him have to turn his back on the Tuscans. And they really focus a lot on the kid Tuscan, and I wonder if something happens there. I'm not sure. Which, Um, so so you think, do you think... Do you think that they, that he's, I guess like, uh, like, uh, cause I'm trying to think now about like the, the present time. Do you think that he's concerned maybe that whoever's the one that's in charge of all these people coming after and threatening Boba? Do you think that he's like, okay, these are the same people that killed the Tuscan Raiders that could I was be. with? Or it could be something happened where he wants power to make sure that stuff never happens again or something. I can see that. Make, you know, make peace with mm-hmm. all of the communities. I don't know. It could be, it could be that after this train thing and he gets the robes and he gets the stick, he moves on and everything's fine. But I don't, I don't know yet. Uh, I, something bad could happen too, I guess. Um, so now to actually become part of the tribe, they give him a lizard to guide his way here, and the lizard is going to go up his nose and <laughs> be all psychedelic. Uh, and we get to see, like, Camino again, right, as Boba watches his dad leave on, um, on, the, uh, on, the, on the ship. And then we have, you know, water and then, like, the tree, and it somehow leads him to a tree where he's able to bring a branch and when he does they're going to turn that branch into the gaffy stick and he's going to go somewhere almost to like an armorer who's going to help walk him through how to make the gaffy stick and then they're going to give him the robes that we see him in at the end of season one uh, season two episode one mandalorian when he's at the camera he's wearing the black robes he's got the belt on like they give him that stuff he's now officially part of their tribe and we're we're almost caught up i guess right Mm because at some point he's going to find fennec shand Mm -hmm. he's going to save her 
Then he's going to locate Cobb Vanth having the, the armor. He's going to see Mando with the armor. He's going to follow Mando off-world to get the armor. And then we're back where we are. So maybe we have... I don't know if these flashbacks are every episode. Yeah. Or if they kind of get wrapped up next week. Or maybe what happens is next week is still the episode that has the most flashbacks. And then episode four, five, six, seven, less flashbacks each time as we're caught up now. And, you know, something like that. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, they got I think the next one's focusing on maybe what happens in the end to them. And then maybe as he moves on from them, I could see like maybe two more episodes where it's more flashbacks, like, cause then he's got Fennec and then, Maybe do you think maybe we get more some like some flashbacks of when he's with Mando but not with Mando? I mean, do we think that he gets you know we, some airtime at least? With I don't Mando, know. Like talking about Mando, not necessarily Mando being there, but do you think that with Jen? Do you think he maybe we get a conversation after he has been with the kid, the child? So maybe I don't know. I would think more so the flashbacks might end with whatever causes it. Like if he's not with the Tuscans when he picks up Fennec, mm-hmm. whatever makes him think I got to go get my armor now. Like yeah. that's what I want to know. Like what made him all of a sudden be like, I got to go get my armor now. Is it just that he found it? And he's like, Oh, I thought that was gone. Right. But I see Cobb Vanth wearing it. So now Cobb has given up to that guy. I got to go get it before it leaves Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's something like that, or if it's just something he was, uh, you know, maybe maybe at that point he wasn't aware it was still existing, and he decided I'm going to go get it now that I see that it's still around. But yeah, I mean, episode two ends with you know they do a ritualist ritual ritualistic ceremony with the gaffy stick you know tamora morrison has talked about this a bit where he wanted to really input a lot of maori lifestyle in here and this seems mm-hmm. like that's where this came from with the kind of dance around the fire with the gaffy sticks and i thought that was really really cool and um yeah i mean i, I don't know i just thought this episode was great and like he said 50 minutes <laughs> uh, i didn't know it was that long either i got a little bit into it and i was like wait a minute i didn't check how long this was I was like four minutes into it or something. And I was like, I didn't check yeah. how long this was. I pressed pause and saw 50 minutes and I was like, yes. All right. <laughs> well, this is going to be great. But yeah, I, I was able to uh, watch it kind of earlier in the day than usual too. Cause working from home this week. So I was able to get right into it. We were watching it at like the same time pretty much. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think cool. you're like, 10 15 minutes behind me but it was yeah pretty much it was it was like we've never i don't think we've ever had the chance to like be right behind each other watching Mm-mm. really you're anything. usually watching it hours ahead of time yeah you get off school earlier right <laughs> that's great uh it's wonderful so what what do we think's next uh you know it do you um they, they kind of mentioned that they would have to get approval to kill the huts i'm assuming they're talking about like maybe other gangs would have to give approval or the mayor. I'm not really sure what they mean by that, but 
what do you think is next? Because it does seem like we have a lot to wrap up in the present day still. We still mm-hmm. have five episodes, so we got plenty of time to get to that. As I feel like the a lot of the flashbacks are starting to, to wrap up as we're almost caught up to where we are. Um, what do you think is the goal here for Boba? Um, obviously, he wants to be the crime lord. How does he take down the huts? Or does he have to take down the mayor? Like, what is it you think that ends this series? Like, or even next week, what what happens that gets us closer to the end? Okay, so I think uh, you, you kind of talked me into the fact that yeah, I do think something happens to that tribe uh, that he's with. I, I think something bad happens, maybe to the leader, to, to some of them that he's just unforgiving about. But I uh, I also think maybe I was starting to think maybe that they're kind of building because Moff Gideon is technically dead right um so i i don't know like are they trying to build because you said that they were talking in talks about having these all collide in something much bigger if that's going to be the case maybe just maybe they're building something that is even above what we're going to actually see be resolved in this series like i I think maybe we're going to get obviously something's got to give it's got to be something monumental, I think, or big, because they are going to meet up again with Jen. And I, I do think, uh, or Den, I did it again. I always do that. Um, when you meet up with Den, there's going to have to be something. And I do think that there's a big puppet, bigger puppet master. Um, I just feel like this is all strange because I just still feel like there's a That's lot marvelous. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it feels very strange and almost uh, they're caught in webs and stuff. Like, I, I don't know. It, it just seems something's weird. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I think this is bigger than the huts. Do I think that the huts are the thing? No, I think that those twins are just kind of the evil people of this uh, of this show. I think they're going to focus a lot on the black Chewbacca. I don't know his name, um, but I, I think that they're going to focus on them. Black or Santa? What? Black Kersantan. Black Kersantan. Yep. That's literally his name is Black Kersantan. That's awesome. (laughs) I love that. Um, But I do think like they're going to be the focus of like initially just getting rid of them. Maybe just get rid of the mayor. But I think maybe even the mayor has somebody above him um, that's being a puppet master. Because I'm I'm, I'm not convinced that it's just this. Something's up. And I think Boba knows something's up. I think he thinks something's weird. Like, this isn't right. Something's a little off. Uh, and it is funny, though, because I think Mando was much more righteous. And I think Boba is still a crime lord. Like, he's still mm-hmm. a crime lord. Exactly. He's running he's the crime, crime ring. I think that's interesting, too. Like, I think that's an interesting dynamic. For all the people that say he's, like, neutered now, he, he right. wants to be a crime boss. Yes. <laughs> he just wants to rule with respect. Right. Okay? He just wants to rule with respect. And if you, and you hear that from Italian mobsters yeah. all the time anyway. Yeah. So. Your family into you, not family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, for me, Grogu's the puppet master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, I mean, this is, you know, this is what Boba, this is who Boba is now. Um, and I think it's great. I, I, I really enjoy where they're taking his character. I think it's very interesting to see where they go with it. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I think next week will clue us in a little bit more 
on where this story is going in the next, you know, in, in the seven episodes that we have. So we, we've done two, so we'll have five left. After next week, we'll have four. We'll be just shy of halfway, and I think at that point, we'll be able to kind of know where maybe this is all heading. Right. I'm excited. This has been a great, great show so far, so... I'm really excited to see where they head with it. And it's not even halfway through, so we're going to get a lot more character development. And I'm I'm ready for more Fennec, too. To yeah, she's been not in it a lot here. Yeah. Um, which makes me think maybe we will see him discover her mm-hmm. injured and save her, and we might get some more good Fennec stuff there, too. Maybe some backstory as to who she is, too. Right. All right. Well, if you want to give us a follow, if you made it this far, you want to give us a follow at Pod Awakens on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Pod Awakens, Instagram at Pod Awakens, or email us podawakens at gmail.com to share your thoughts. You can rate and review us on iTunes, and now Spotify even allows ratings and reviews. So go ahead and do that. It helps people find our show. And we'll catch you next time as we talk episode three of the Pod Awakens, not of the Pod Awakens, of the Book of Boba Fett. And we'll catch you all next time. I have spoken. It's over, Anakin!